Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dave Clay. I'm not good at staying neutral. <laughs> I wish I were. I wish I did not have to feel compelled to take a side. I did not wish, I do not wish that I had to end that compulsion, feeling compelled to run any risk of disagreement. I really inherently, implicitly do not enjoy disagreements. I don't know that I am so anti argument, but argument. It's to be defined. Uh, the art of argument. Um, learn how to rightly disagree. Um, as the old saying goes, to agree to disagree. If I were better at it, my great hope would be I'd encounter less resistance. But it may be that I'm not the only one who's really not good at that. I do believe it's inherent in how humans, however, operate. We are, by nature, inclined to see things dichotomously. Uh, maturity does seem to soften that a bit. Maybe it's not that we see things differently. We conceptualize. That's a better word than see conceptualize things so much differently as we age, it's maybe more a matter we've already resolved a lot of those yes-no, those kind of binary propositions. We've already worked through enough of them to amass a foundation and things that don't need to be (laughs) hashed out so prominently so with the additional energy that it might take. We just kind of, okay, well, there's two sides to every coin. You know, as they say. Uh, but even with that, there's new applications. We don't have to waste our energy then on <laughs> rehashing things or going back through a more formal process of binary thought, uh, contrast, uh, kind of thinking through, uh, determining <laughs> the uh, ones and zeros, so to speak. But that is the human nature, and it is so much human nature that it is out of human nature that we've come to the highest order of how to do that called science. Science is about a hypothesis. It begins with a premise, and then you don't say, even once you finish the argument, the study, the research, Uh, And there's disputations even in science. There's arguments in science. Because in the end, you never say something absolutely is. You do the other side of that. You say, well, it's not. At least in context to the current study, the current topic, the current subject, and all the facts they've been able to garner. And in that same sort of way, a precedent, you don't have to rehash things that have already been resolved. You can. You can never study history. You can never understand history and systems from a psychological standpoint. How we got here, those foundational sort of tenets, 
that define not only who we are, but how we conduct our life. And you can go back and you can start from the egg. But it doesn't mean you're going to come up with any different findings. That's what science really promises us. Good, sound empiricism, research models, uh, investigation, study, valid, reliable study. We'll find the same stuff. But it's something, I guess, that we all have a choice to do if we want to. I prefer to learn from other people's mistakes and what I have learned. Then it frees me if I just can accept that, unless there would be a challenge. Now, I'm not saying that there can't be new data that comes in that causes me to reconsider maybe one of those foundational tenets or premises. But... Fortunately, I can devote most of my energy to application because I've got all this great knowledge base from human history. Somebody wrote it down. Somebody told someone, oral tradition, prior to writing it down. But it's not only in libraries anymore, in books anymore. It's on the web. I can instantaneously access as much as the source would be credible, valid and reliable data, findings. There's really no excuse for being lost, except we'd not want to accept that premise. Psychology Today, January, February of 2023. Written by a staff, author by the name of DF, or the initials of DF. The risks... Of staying out of it, adopting a neutral position to placate both sides may backfire. Modern political discourse is nothing short of contentious, especially in the U.S. And people of any partisan persuasion risk being socially penalized for expressing the wrong view at the wrong time. Some try to sidestep this danger by staying neutral when hot-button topics are raised. Recent research, however, warns that their strategy may come with its own risks. In 11 studies, individuals who declined to take sides when asked their opinion on morally charged political issues like gun control or abortion were seen by participants as deceptive and untrustworthy. This appeared to be because participants assumed the neutral position was secretly in opposition to the beliefs of whomever they were speaking to. Whatever those were, yet trying to hide this fact behind a veneer of impartiality. Liberals and conservatives both already consider their opponents untrustworthy. But those who adopt the seemingly deceptive neutral stance may incur an even worse penalty. Individuals who opposed participants' views outright were deemed more trustworthy and more worthy of cooperating with than those who remained neutral. It's bad to be on the other side, explains study author Ike Silver a professor of marketing at Northwestern University. But it's even worse to be on the other side and try to be sneaky about it. How can the truly neutral avoid being punished for an in-the-middle or undecided stance? In the study, neutral parties who were able to justify their beliefs, explaining that they saw merit on both sides, 
for instance, or didn't know enough to form an opinion, suffered less severe consequences than those who seemed to be staying out of it just to save face. If you're truly in the middle, it's good to communicate why, Silver suggests. The more you're willing to say, the less you'll be penalized for it. Again, staff, author, DF, Psychology Today, January, February 2023, maybe that. It's why the staff, author, whomever it may be, has chosen to only give their initials. Because anytime you start to get into conversations such as this, that includes politics and such contentious issues with such strong words, at least emotively so, as liberals and conservatives. I'm not sure you want too many people to know who you actually are. DF will suffice. But I don't know that that is, again, evil. Uh, We may not like it. We may feel incredibly uncomfortable, as I said earlier, that I do. I don't like people not liking me. I do like people agreeing with me. But I understand that even I can't always agree with me, and I can't always like me. Now, some would say, well, that state of sort of contention, we should eliminate. We should have peace and calm and really no strong words even. No strong emotions That's not us. It's not humans. And certainly even science, which I do believe, if we can't agree on anything else, liberals and conservatives, we should agree on the scientific methodology of hypothetical deductive reasoning, a solid sound research model of empiricism that will render then a confidence interval or ratio of validity, proper ratio, of validity and reliability. Validity is, is it really measuring what we say it's measuring? And reliability, does it do it consistently? So that any decisions we might make as far as what we're going to do with any hope of an expected outcome It's going to be based in the best proposition available. But science doesn't restrict or limit data, facts, nor those who might participate in the discussion as to what we're going to do with all of this, these findings, these research findings, evidence-based findings. It doesn't have to be, and it probably isn't ever likely to be without contention. There'll be two sides again to every coin. It's maybe middle ground. Maybe you're just in a place when you're where you're when you're really not able to say, I think it's this or I think it's that, as with truth. And truth is relative, but it's relative upon this lens. This is the lens of truth. Facts don't tell us what's true. Our interpretation of facts, which is a psychological operation, construct, it has to be grounded in something more than the subjective objectivity. And we'd want it to be massive in terms of numbers. We want the more the merrier, as they used to say, the more that would engage in that level of conversation, the better. But when it's all said and done, don't take it personally.
personal. It's not personal. I am inclined to take it too personal. I understand that better now than I ever have in my life. Maybe it's the culture we do live in. Maybe it's just years. I think older you get again, the more you kind of already have resolved that. I don't need to go back and resolve that. I've already accepted. It's not personal. It's transactional. But what's the transaction? I want both opinions to be objective, scientific, evidence-based, and I want good outcomes. I want to, pardon me for saying it this way, follow the science, but I don't want it to be a political proposition. I want it to be empirical Evidence-based, sound research methodology, hypothetical deductive reasoning. I want to see the statistical analysis. Not really. Only to the extent I do. But I don't understand all the numbers is what I'm saying. Always. But I want to know that it's valid and reliable. And if somebody's going to give me a conclusion, I want them to show me the evidence to tie into their opinion. I'm still going to accept it's their opinion. It may differ from my opinion. I may take the same facts, the same research methodology, this a study, uh, using that same methodology, and come to a different opinion. But it doesn't make mine wrong or theirs wrong or mine <laughs> nefarious or theirs nefarious, except I feel tricked. Except I feel deceived. Except somebody has taken it personally. And for whatever personal gain wants to exploit me. Take advantage of my maybe not wanting to go any deeper than I need to in the numbers. Because I don't like numbers. I am not a numbers friendly guy. I understand the importance of numbers. But that's why I do psychological counseling for a living and not an accountant. Or an engineer. I am not inclined to really enjoy that as much as what we're doing right now on the podcast. But there's both sides to that. Any pontification, theorization, or theorizing, any sort of hypothesis I might throw out there, it needs to be grounded in accounting and engineering sort of things. It needs to be grounded in numbers, and it has to be systemic. Or with some sort of application of that, it has to be all-encompassing. Engineers are marvelous thinkers. They know how to connect all of those things schematically in big picture sort of terms to see how it all fits together, how it correlates. (laughs) Maybe more toward the theory side. And some of you have already figured that out. But that's why I try to ground this in... Solid journalism and journal articles and even more scientific journals based on empirical studies so that we can make everything that we pontificate about, speculate upon, everything we theorize to be grounded in some sort of solid foundation. I I would like to believe that's the beauty, if I could say it that way, of the podcast is that We sit down together and you think it through on your end. I wish you could talk back and certainly I invite you to. There's emails and such and phone numbers and you can reach out to me and we can create a discourse. But I'm just asking you to see both sides of it and I'm trying to offer evidence and then I will offer an opinion. 
a thought, but it's based on science. But that's what psychological practice is all about. Otherwise, I'd be a charlatan. Otherwise, I might be really sociopathic. I might not have any consideration for you. I just may want what's best for me. In that sort of way, I have learned the art consummate, art of politics. I use my influence and persuasion in a deceptive sort of way to manipulate you, to get you to do what I want you to do. Now, again, not that I need to justify the podcast, but it's a good example. I really don't have secondary gain for doing the podcast. I enjoy it. That's kind of. There's a bit of that. That's kind of primary, though. I like sharing information and all that goes on in the psychological counseling sort of situation and circumstance. I want people to get better. There's a bit of a personal dimension to that. I like people helping people, helping them to find ways to overcome those difficulties in their life. Uh, I am, even in that same spirit, there's ethical considerations. I am to share my knowledge without any sort of primary gain from that, monetary or otherwise, with as many people as I can. The podcast gives me that wonderful opportunity to do it. But I'm hoping that even though I may come to conclusions, that the podcast never becomes so politically directed (laughs) that my personal beliefs become so prominent and paramount, paramount, that it takes away from all of those solid things of not only science, but good ethics when it comes to objectivity and applying and creating a safe enough environment that you can listen to this without risk of me trying to trick you. Trying to somehow manipulate you into believing certain things. That's not the intention. And if it is a personal opinion, I would want to to give you full disclosure. I'd do that whether we're talking podcast or whether we're talking psychological counseling or psychotherapy, whether you come in to see me or we do a telehealth visit or we just do this on a podcast. Uh, I'm going to give you disclaimer and disclosure, not only of what science has said, but okay, this is then now my interpretation of that. Take it for what it's worth. It's just a perspective. You're entitled to your own. And we may have, and I encourage, disputation in the counseling session. I want there to be hearty discussion. I'm even willing to tolerate a good bit of disagreement. Not necessarily bad argument, but certainly argument of points. I'm okay with that. I need to know what my patient thinks and where their heart is and what they want and the direction they want their life to take. And it's not me to tell them what to do, but I am going to challenge them to defend their positions. That's really my job. Science. But that's how you do that. You start with something. You can't just be neutral. You start with a hypothesis and you test it. You can't say then that the hypothesis is either right or wrong or right. You can say, however, that it's not wrong or how do I want to say that? Right or wrong. You can say that that findings don't support your hypothesis. You can't say what actually is out of that kind of discourse. 
But you're closer to finding out through a process of elimination or even as with the whole procedure of differential diagnosing. I can say what it is by ruling out, saying what it isn't. And that's why we do differential diagnoses. And that's why we do rule outs. And that's why those terminologies come from the histories and systems of science and not only medicine, I'm not a psychiatrist, my doctorate is not in medicine, but we work with the medical model and educational model, good research model, psychologists, psychological counselors, social workers do the same thing. But we can talk of it in those terms and we can go back and forth and my diagnoses might be different than the psychiatrists or the social workers. But that's okay, too. It's just trying to find out. We don't want to label people. It's trying to find out what's going on. And with that, it's more about how we go about finding out what's going on, the truth, so to speak, than it is the actual accomplishment of proving our opinion. (laughs) That's not what it's about. That's way too personal. It's way too subjective. I've got... Unfortunately, if I do that, too much of an interest in proving myself right. I don't need to do that. I'm okay. My ego is not that big. It's not that threatening. I am not that manipulative. I am not that insecure that I can't go through every moment, actually, of every day, but certainly strategically so when I'm in the counseling, psychological counseling circumstance, I'm okay with being equal to you, my patient, in determining what truth is. I would want it to be collaborative, and if we do have disputation or argument, then we do it again in a healthy sort of way with a common end in mind of discerning the truth so that we can apply it to help your life be better, to help you be better. To help me be better, to help our culture and society to become better, more adaptive, healthier, (laughs) we can, to alleviate and reduce unnecessary pain. There's always going to be pain in life. There's always going to be things that are disease, disordered, that we have no control over. But why create additional problems or diseases or disorders for ourselves if we don't have to? Again, that's the essential element of, I believe, the podcast. I believe in private practice dimension, my psychological counseling, but I think that's why I like psychology today. It's not intentioned to necessarily influence. It's not intentioned to necessarily persuade. It's just intention to give you the facts. But I like it as well because there's not a lot of numbers. It's not going to an actual article where, because it is science and of the highest level, and because there is full disclosure, every number, every detail. I'm a big picture person. If I need to chase down the details, I will, but I probably won't go any further than it is enough to satisfy me that the findings are valid. And thus, if they're valid, if we did the same study again, we come to the same conclusions. The study itself is empirically research model sound. And thus, the data is reliable. And then, if I'm going to make a prediction, 
<laughs> as to what's going to happen if I do something in the future, isn't that what I want to base it on? I am an instrument of science. We are conducting a research investigation in my office when we sit down and speak. We are offering thesis, hypothesis, thesis as in and a, a hypothesis or a, with history and systems, what we have taken or determined up to the present to be truth, and we're just adding new data to it. We're not going to say anything conclusively is because it never is in truth sort of terms. We'll never get enough data. We'll never be able to measure enough things. We won't be able to perceive it. There's, I believe, so many more dimensions than our five senses could even begin to perceive much more so because we don't have the equipment, how are you going to conceptualize that? Except in terms of what you do have the equipment for. A psychological construct. Our identity, who we are, is predicated upon really what we're able to take in and how much we're able to think. And I think most of us would agree it's a bit narcissistic to think that we know it all or see it all. Nobody knows it all. Nobody sees it all. It's impossible. Thus, we don't say anything is for certain. We just say, in differential diagnosis sort of terms, rule out sort of terms, what it isn't. That's the way we test our hypothesis. That's the way science is supposed to be grounded in predicate. So, the risk of staying out of it, you can't. And should you try to, you've got... We've got, you would be the one doing it, we've got every reason to be a bit suspicious that you're not showing your hand. (laughs) You're not revealing to us the data. You're not giving us enough of where you are in trying to figure this out. You've not shown us that you've done your due diligence before you go about out about spouting off about things. That you've at least done some basic research. You've kind of went out and did a consensus study of all the different studies here to date, at least the major ones and theories that have been offered and put out there, hypotheses, and what's been evidence-based and established. You've not surveyed that in a way that you have any business telling us anything. And if you're withholding data and you didn't do that, that's why you're withholding it. That's bad. Or if you're just withholding it because you want to somehow... Be an opportunist and just take advantage of that, I guess, dynamic. Uh, show me your hand. <laughs> Put the truth out there. If we did more of that, if we were able to, again, through that lens of objectivity, see things for what they really are, we'd be a much healthier. <laughs> we'd still have disputations. Uh, but we'd be much healthier. What is that you're doing behind your back? Uh, Show me what's going on there. Well, no, you know how that goes. But there's far too much of that. Lying, cheating, and stealing. Hopefully you'll never find that on the podcast. And you won't find that in the counseling situation. And I don't believe you're going to find that in psychology today. Today's article, The Risks of Staying Out of It, Adopting a Neutral Position to Placate Both Sides May Backfire. What are you listening to? You're listening to psychology today. God, no. <laughs> Listen to Word with Dave Clay. And I use psychology today as a basis for it. But if you want to listen again, you know how to find me, hopefully. You found me today. 
but if you would want to come back, we'd want you to on Word with Dave Clay. And in the meantime, as I always say, but genuinely, sincerely mean, I do want to wish you the best in terms of not only good health, physical, bodily health, but also good behavioral health. So until next time.